Amen. I love, I love the theme that seems to be going on this morning, the, the music, uh, even Jeremy's words uh, there. So I'm Doug Cloven, um, one of the other Dougs here, and uh, I'm, just, I'm very lucky to be able to speak this morning to you, and I'm humbled to do that. Uh, I definitely come with uh, just the excitement of, of what this represents, this series that we're going through, kind of hitting on these elements that make up our life as Christians is pretty exciting. But I'm just going to jump right in uh, to these two, two sections of Scripture. We're going to start in Galatians 5, and I'm just going to kind of read and also speak about it as I go. So let's jump into Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. If you have it on your phone or a Bible, if not, there are Bibles around. If you want one, just raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you. It is very okay and exciting to do so. Uh, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And right there, Paul, Paul is talking, and, and there's a lot of other context going on in this, this, this portion of, of Galatians. But th- this happens. When we, when we receive freedom, we have an opportunity to use that freedom for the flesh. So much so that we, as a church, tend to make rules around things like that. We tend to make rules around leadership, around being an elder, uh, participating in ministries. We set rules because you have freedom by grace in Jesus. And you can use that freedom for the flesh. And so he speaks to, he says... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's your other option in your freedom. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not one word, but we feel you, Paul. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The context of this part in Galatians, he's, he's talking to people who are believers in Jesus, and though they are believers in Jesus, they are still kind of clinging to that law because that's what they knew before Jesus. And so people are coming and they're being saved, and then they're saying, okay, now you're saved by Jesus through, through grace, but you need to also follow this old commandment, these Old Testament uh, uh, covenants as well, these laws. And Paul is saying, no. Guess what? None of you were ever saved by the law. You failed. That's why we needed Jesus. So quit clinging back to them. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, animity. I had to look that one up. It's apparently some sort of sea creature. An enemy. Uh, strife. Je- I'm just kidding. Uh, the uh, enmity is uh, like you're hostile towards each other. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Now these three right here that we're about to hit on, these are, these are big. 
rivalries, dissensions, rivalries, we see that in, in churches. We have rival churches, don't we? You may not admit this out loud. You don't have to shake your head or raise your hand, but we have rival churches. If I name them, you'd go, ooh. <laughs> Maybe not out loud, but you'd think it. And it happens. It's a normal thing. I recently got a Facebook ad to another church, and I, I'm, a, I'm an ad guy. I like marketing. I like ads. And I was like, I know they targeted me because I'm a Christian. They're trying to steal me away from my church. And then I kind of caught myself, and I, I was building a rivalry against another church. I thought, how different are we? Very, very small bit of differences. Ultimately, we're all doing exactly what we're talking about here that Paul is talking about. We're all striving to not work in the flesh, but instead work in the spirit. But when we operate in our fruit, we take advantage of the freedom and we work in the spirit. We get rivalries with other churches and other people. Dissension, where we start to grumble and mumble about our leadership. Oh, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't know if I like the direction we're going. Division, which is the opposite of unity. And anything you read about Paul, you know, unity is everything. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, that these two things are opposed to each other, the fruit of the flesh and a fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Hear that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not just say we live by the Spirit and then not know the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now I want to jump straight into John. John 15, starting in verse 1. I'll give you a moment. And the reason I'm doing this is to show you the consistency of this metaphor that first was given by Jesus here in John 15 and then was used later in Galatians by Paul to continue on. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser or the gardener, depending on your translation. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. This word abide is very intimate. Uh, I, I was thinking about this and, and trying to think of, of where I see this kind of play out in my life. And I was thinking of my one-year-old daughter. I had this young daughter. And when, you, when she wakes up in the morning, she just wants to hold you. And she 
squeezes tightly around you and pats your back, and she has a little pacifier, and she lays her head on my shoulder, and she'll just pat me, and, and she just wants to be there, and she wants to abide in me, which is really awesome. And it won't last very long, but I have to get ready for work. So I, though I love that and I want that, I don't have time for that. And so I'm like, I know as soon as I make the motion to set her down, the tears begin and she starts to scream because she, all she wants is to just be with me and abide with me. And I'm this horrible person for going, not right now. I have to get ready for work and going on. That's not true because if I'm holding abide, she wants to abide in me until she sees her mom and then I'm, she doesn't want to abide in me anymore. But that's what, what Jesus is saying, abide in me. I, I'm thinking that closely, that intimate. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We do a lot of talking, especially from right here. We talk about it. But what is our fruit, church? This is how the world knows us. As disciples of Jesus. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. Listen to this. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you hear nothing else today, but you hear verse 11, you will be blessed. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Does anyone need joy this morning? Does anyone feel like their, their joy tank isn't always on F, but sometimes it's dipping down to E? Jesus says, the fullness of joy. That's why I'm telling you this. Let's pray. Father, are we abiding in you? You are the gardener. You are the creator. You are the source of joy and peace. And we ask that you draw us in to you. Strengthen our connection to you. If those among us are withering, let us encounter you. Let us not hear a man's clever words and be manipulated this morning, but instead, let us be inspired by you, by your words by your love. Amen. Okay, so our word of the day is peace.
And uh, I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't use the Hebrew word shalom instead, so I'm going to do that and be uh, all about that. But I think it's important to start out in Galatians like that. I think it was important to hear what Jesus said in John about that metaphor, about the vine and the branches and the fruit, because it's, it's consistent like that. But we use the words fruit and pruning very different in our normal language, even in, in kind of a Christian uh, uh, context. We say it differently. It means different things. Um, not, not in a bad way, but, uh, you know, we would say something like, well, that was a, oh, we have this meeting after, after our service today. We're going to talk about and hear about the plans of the church, and I hope that, that that meeting is a fruitful meeting, right? That we like the outcome, that the results are good, that we leave feeling uh, good about things. That's a fruit. We want to see good fruit. We use the word pruning like, well, we did the nine-month series on the Song of Solomon, and our numbers dwindled from 100 to 14, and the Lord needed to prune us. Uh, no, it was just that was really creepy, and you shouldn't have done that for so long. <laughs> now, those are fine. Those are fine ways to use the word, but what my fear is, and, and what I've seen happen, is that we... we we miss this metaphor that Jesus is using because we, we, there's a subtle difference in where we are in that metaphor. When we're using the words based on or, or compared to when Jesus or Paul is using the words. Because we have this habit in our mind that we like to be the gardeners. That we are the ones tending the soil and planting the seeds and watering them. We're just, we're just planting seeds. Have you, I mean, we say that stuff all the time. I'm just planting seeds. We're planting seeds. And, and, and when, when, the fruit, when the tree grows up, we're the ones pruning it. And then eventually, we get to harvest the fruit, the good stuff. And we... we change the metaphor. And that's okay, too. It exists. It's a good metaphor. But when we miss what is being said here, we miss everything. When Jesus says it, we are the branch. We do not plant seeds. The gardener does that. We are the branch. We don't gain the nutrients from, from the ground. The vine does that. We don't prune. The gardener does that. And what does a branch do to produce such delicious fruit? It does one thing. It stays connected to the vine. We like to build these processes that we need to do these things, all these things, and then eventually you'll become this person that you're supposed to be, and then maybe we'll start to look like Jesus, but Jesus is saying, just... Stay connected. I think it would be a really good sermon if I ended right there. That's it. That's the point. That's the whole point of everything is that. Stay connected. And maybe at the end I'll say that word again and that will be it. But the problem is we're all nodding our head, right? We all agree with this. We're just not doing it. And so I'll give you a great example. Two or three weeks ago, Fern asked me, hey, do you want to preach on the 22nd? I'm like, yeah, 
That's tons of time to prepare. What do you want to preach about? Let's preach about peace. He gave me a few words, and I said, peace, that's, that's me. That's, that's my word, peace. And then life happened. What a beautiful example for, for me to give to you this morning of me believing in this message, me excited to deliver this message, and yet my life is hectic and crazy. Anyone else? Life hectic and crazy? Yeah, welcome. This is the, my name is Doug, and my life is hectic and crazy. And that's us. We know the stuff we're supposed to be doing. We hear these words and go, yes, yes. But life happens then. And what do we do? So I had plenty of time to prepare, and then we were moving. We moved from our one house to another house, and it was fantastic, but it was work. My wife did all the work, but it was work, you know, and it was, str- it was uh, stressful. I just felt the stress that she was putting on. And so we then moved uh, a uh, week and a half ago now. We moved, which was very stressful. And again, boxes to be unpacked and things, you know, after all the amazing people that helped us. Thank you very much, all of you that were there, helping us move those boxes. Uh, I delegated a lot of stuff. You know, that goes there. No, I didn't. Um, so then we had to unpack everything. That takes a long time, too. I, again, I didn't help with that. My wife did that. But it was very stressful, and there's a lot of stuff going on with that. And uh, then we had birthdays. So Friday was my brother's birthday, and Saturday, yesterday, is my son Slater's birthday. And so Friday, our whole family came up, and we, we celebrated birthdays, and we also had to celebrate my mom's birthday because we never get a chance to get together. So we did that, and we partied all night and had fun together as a family. It was fantastic. But then Saturday, uh, Friday was, all, was my brother's birthday, but it was also my wife's dad's birthday. So Saturday, yesterday, her whole family came down, and we celebrated Slater's birthday and his birthday. And uh, my birthday's in May, May 1st, but I don't share birthday parties, so we didn't celebrate that just yet. So we had all that going on, and then about the time, like, 3 o'clock comes around, I'm like, oh, okay, peace. Time to write this message. <laughs> but that's life. None of us are immune to that. And, and yet, all of us live that excuse every day of why we have no peace. As, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, we have no peace often. And yet, the world is supposed to know us from this peace. Now, I'm not saying busyness can't exist with peace. That's not what I'm saying, but, but we, we use the excuse. So what is peace? Again, uh, there's this word shalom in the Hebrew, and it's a much better word than the word peace we use, uh, so I have to talk about it. Um, we see peace as an absence of conflict, whether that's war. You know, if there's no war, there is peace, peace. Um, we see that as an absence of conflict in our minds. If, if my mind is in, in a good place, I have a peaceful mind. If my family and my household is not crazy, I have peace in my household. You know, it's an opposite, the absence of conflict. But shalom is much bigger. Shalom is wholeness. Shalom is flourish. And so... In, in Judaism, there is this blessing that they give to each other where they say shalom. And it is saying to you, I, I, may you have wholeness. May you be, may you flourish. And not just you, may your family 
flourish. May they be everything that they were created to be. Everything that they can be. What they were created to look like, may they look like that. May you look like that. May your family, may your church be whole. Isn't that beautiful? God, he wants our lives to be what they were created to be. And that is shalom. But there's many layers of that. There's shalom with yourself. Can you be okay with that peace in yourself? And I think for some of us, we struggle with that. We, we give ourselves a very hard time. We have that with each other. Again, going back to those three things in the, in the, in the fruit of the flesh, dissension, rivalries, division. But we want shalom with each other. Not just this church, beyond these walls. Other churches, other nations, we want Shalom. We want shalom with God, which is what I've been talking about this whole time. Just let's be on the same page. As Paul said, not just to, to live by the Spirit, but to be in step with the Spirit. We want shalom with our past, with our mistakes, with the things that have happened to us. Not to say they are okay, not to say it was right, but to say I have healed from that. It isn't just an absence of conflict. It's completeness. There's a thing that happens, and I love that Jeremy spoke to this because it's, it's so, so true. And uh, on Instagram, you know, there's like this, this phenomena going on of the most amazing, perfect humans have arrived. They, and they're the perfect moms, they're the perfect dads, they're the perfect entre entrepreneurs, they're the perfect successful business people, they're the perfect students, and you can find them on, on Instagram. They're everywhere. They, I mean, you look at their, the way they handle the, the organization of the closet, and you're like, oh, my gosh. How? How did they do that? And, and we can present this beautiful image of ourselves that is not factual at all, but is very prepared. And, and I'm not picking on social media. I love social media, uh, uh, some parts of it, especially the advertising parts of it. I love that. Um, and... So I'm not trying to say that social media is evil because we've been doing this for a long time, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus knew about this. Jesus had a word for it. He didn't say it was social media is killing our kids. He said whitewashed tombs are, right? So he said, we're acting one way, but, but your heart is broken. And it gets, there's something that happens when you've been performing like that for a long period of time. You just get fatigued. You're exhausted, it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to keep caring. It's hard to keep remembering what the point of all this work is. Why? Why am I doing this anymore? Because we, we forget that our worth and our value is not tied to what we produce. In a world that says our worth and value is tied to what we produce. That the sales number is your worth and value. That the amount of money you make is your worth and value. That the, the size of your house, the success and uh, 
good looks of your children is your value. And God is saying, no. Your worth and your value is tied to one thing. And that is that you are his sons. And you are his daughters. That's it. So what do we do in this world? We are in a world that is running around doing amazing things, and we're busy. And we have a church meeting today. We're meeting about buying this building, and we're going to do amazing things. And we have Faith Academy, and we are here to, to be a place of refuge for this community to come in and get educated and be cared for. And we're here to celebrate that. And we're, we have this land in, in North Liberty, and we have this other church in North Liberty that wants to partner with us and merge with us. And that means we're going to send people there, and we're going to, to, to be that church there too. And we have, and we have the, the Foster Road campus, and we have to get that up. And it's very easy when we are presenting and performing as a perfect church on the outward, and our brand is very good, and we're doing all these things, and we're expanding. And as individuals, we need to be on the front lines saying, I am valuable without any of that. Now, in no way am I trying to sabotage the meeting coming up. I'm very excited about those things. And it's very easy to hear this message and start pointing at the people next to you and the pointing at the leadership or pointing at someone else, and this message is not about that. This message is about you and yourself because that's what you can control. That's where you can be connected or disconnected. You can be thriving and producing fruit or withering. But don't be so concerned about doing to try to earn it because you can't. We're so busy that we forget to be human beings, not human doings, right? There's a good quote I heard somebody, I don't even remember who said, I heard that, I was like, oh, write that down. I'll use that someday, and it finally came. <laughs> when we're human beings, we can be and be loved and forgiven and connected with the Father without any actions. And we can step back and just evaluate. Do you do that? That's an important thing. I feel like we come here weekly and we sing these songs and we listen to a sermon and we go, yes, 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 we love it, it's good, and then we walk away. But if we don't walk away and evaluate and, and be introspective and think and process and look at our lives, have you asked yourself what fruit you're producing? That's a hard question to ask yourself. Because we talk about other people's fruit all the time. Well, they are toxic, and they produce broken relationships, and they produce uh, failure, and they produce, we, we, we love that, but do we look at it yourself? The good news is, if you don't like the answer to what fruit you're producing, it's very easy to correct. Just connect with the Father. It's time to regenerate, to step back, regenerate, 
and be okay being with God. Because let me just reaffirm to you that the the movement of God is not going to slow down because you decide to to abide in the Father. That's not going to happen. In fact, I promise you the opposite will happen. If you decide to stop doing and being busy and being stressed out and burning yourselves out, our church will actually thrive because of it, not the opposite. But we tell ourselves a different story. Well, if I quit, if, if, I, if I quit showing up 30 minutes earlier than everyone else, then all these things will fall apart. That may be true for a week. But you coming back and knowing that you're loved by your Father is only going to help us in two weeks. And so that's, that's that half. Because I believe that there's some people out there, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say yes, you don't have to say amen, you don't have to nod your head. There are people out there that need to hear that. You're burning yourselves out, and you need to connect. But there's another half. There's this other half that says something very different. And that's the people that have sat, and they have abided, and they know peace. And that peace then becomes a burning fire. Something that now their cup is so full, it's overflowing, and when it overflows, it's powerful. That's the stuff that creates those movements. That's where God's work is really, truly done. In Judaism, they have this word for this. It's called takun olam. And takun olam means the restoration of the earth through redemptive acts. I am so at peace that now I am sensitive to the the world around me. Now the promptings of the Spirit, I feel them and I see them and I move to action. And that's where the church needs to be acting from. And so there's some of you that are, I've been there, I'm peaceful, I'm there, Doug, I agree and I've been doing it and I am with the Father and I am connected and I am hot, ready to go and do something about it. You're ready to be bearers of shalom. And that's pretty exciting. That's what we want to be as a church. But that's step two. Step one is being connected. So you may need the reminder that you are the branch and not the gardener this morning. So go ahead, take the weight off, You can't do it. Just connect. That means that you are enough, just as you are. The Father is not looking for you to be like your brother or to be like Fern. Nobody is. Don't even try. You're not lacking. You're not earning. You're not in the process of receiving grace. You have received grace. You've got it. Grace is a gift you can't earn. That's why it's so great of a gift. Just take it. You can't earn any love from the Father. You have all of the love from the Father. You are deeply loved, as deeply loved as you can ever be, just because you're daughters, just because you're sons. You are not loved by the degree of how faithful you are. You are not loved by the amount of ministry that you have done. You are not loved based on how successful 
you are at business, at raising your family, at keeping relationships alive. That's not the degree by which you're loved. God is not withholding his love until you get your masters of divinity. God is not withholding his love until you produce fruit because that doesn't work. It is his love. It is his grace, his peace that is producing the fruit in you. So how do we produce fruit? We stay connected to the vine. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I'm going to ask Fern to come up. We're going to have communion together. But I have these last three questions as we do. Because you may need rest, do you? Or you may need to take action. You may just need to be and enjoy the Lord. Or you may need to change the world by bringing shalom into your spheres, your family, your business. You may need to just breathe, but you may need to give that water to the fire across the street. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your peace. We ask for your love, your joy, your kindness, your patience, your gentleness your self-control, your goodness. And let us stop trying to create fruit from the raw ingredients that we think make a happy ministry and instead be people who are fighting and screaming when you put us down. That we want nothing more than to hold you and to be near with you, and to walk in step with you. Amen. Amen.